odd reason. I, I don't know all the fullness of it, but they're just to the right of middle. And then as you go more and more flexed, it becomes um, places like Mexico, Turkey, China. Um, and so it, it goes, you know, Mexico. Here, I'll make sure that we got these up here so you can see them. And then China. I'm not trying to make them off the charts, but they're on the, on the far end of that. So you have these giant macro versions of these things, and then you have people who exist inside of them that are somewhat flexed and fixed as compared to those cultures. My point that I need you to see is we tend to be fixed, right? We tend to be fixed. And so there's this overlap um, wherein uh, this, is, this is Western. This, this tends to be considered Western. This tends to be considered Eastern. But you also need to know that the scriptures were almost only written in an Eastern format, in a very flexible understanding. If you fail to recognize that and you just read it through a very fixed, structured way, you're missing things. You're just missing things in there. And so as you're, as you're watching, walking through these things here, and I'll do this kind of improvising a little bit, being flexible. Um, if we go Eastern and Western, um, and I'm going to give you more attributes here in just a second so we can be a little bit more tangible for us. Um, the, the Hebrew people in the Old Testament, the Jewish people in the New Testament, lean much more to the right side of this. Um, and so even as we see the rigid Pharisees, they're probably still right side of the middle here inside of this. But in their context, they're, they're the rigid people. Okay, back to my original question. What about Common Ground Northeast? What about us as a community? What about us as a church? Certainly, this is going to come into conflict together. Um, and then at times, we have to make corporate decisions to move in a more flexible or a more fixed position at times on behalf of everyone. So how do you represent these things? I'll never forget, I was the more flexible person in a very fixed culture before I came to Common Ground Northeast. And even... Um, uh, there were consequences. Every, every, every year I did my, my yearly review, and they're like, you need to be better at details. You need to be better. Which is why I started going to those corporate, like, professional development things to learn better time management, to learn how to do event planning, to learn all of these, how, do you, how to best utilize uh, coding your emails so that they don't get used like, you know, there's, there's all these paradigms for these things. When to do email. And every year the same thing would come up. You're not, you need to be more detail-oriented. You need to be better at remembering things. Okay, I come here, and I'm like, worried. Like, I, I'm not good at details. I'm very not administrative. Can you help? And so uh, Jody, a part of her job assigned is to do administrative stuff um, for me to help me make sure I don't remember. I also put in lots of um, planning to compensate for my lack of detail-orientedness. I also put in lots of different um, structures that from other perspectives could seem very rigid. But it's all for me to stop my own personal administrative abilities, right, to help that stopgap, to bridge it, right? And then I come here, and I, I, this, is the, this is the moment. Um, a, a former elder of ours, Darlene, came, and she's like, this church is so rigid. I'm like, what do, you, what, what do you mean by that? And she's like, well, you all have that planning center thing where you print it off, and it tells you you're going to do this between, you know, this minute and this minute and that minute. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really pay attention to that that much. But think about what that communicates, even the existence of a timesheet that says this song will last for this four or so minutes. Now, we don't stick to it. We're more fluid than that would recognize. But Darlene was like, ah, this is so weird. You guys are so structured and rigid. And when I asked the Crossing Cultures class about CGNE, and we had them, like, I call it out. 
left here, right here, right? Where, where is common ground on this? It was overwhelmingly in the fixed, uh, oh, sorry, flexible position. Overwhelmingly, like 90% of the people in the room said, no, this is, we're, we're very open, very grace-oriented, very, very flexible. However, if you were to ask Pastor Ken where we were at, he's like, you all are so fixed, it's like not even on the charts anymore, man. But you see how Darlene was in, in, in agreement with that, right? There was a sense wherein they were catching something here that, that, um, that most of us weren't seeing. And so obviously, much of this, and the, and the big idea there was, okay, a lot of your, your, your understanding of common ground is based on your previous experience with a church before. So if we're more flexible than the last experience you had, we're going to look very flexible. If we're more fixed than the last experience you had, we're going to look like we're more fixed. And so we have these attributes here that I want to put up on the board that you can see more specifically. This is a, a business model that talks about fixed and flexed corporate organizational structures. Okay, so let me, I'm gonna do it kind of, kind of quick when I go through these because, um, because again, I, wanna, I want us to land on a specific, in a specific place. First, you have to know that we could fall in between, right? It's a continuum, everyone got that? We're on a continuum, no one's all one or all the other. And then the other one is that we might pick and choose depending on our environment, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, in other places. So on the fixed side of it, they tend to be output-oriented, meaning productivity and results are the highest value, sometimes at the cost of people, right? Sometimes, not always, this isn't all bad. Then the next one is we tend to plan and control in a fixed side of this. So the reason would be you, have, you think planning and calendar meetings, which I do here. Planning things out in advance to have more control over the variables. That's the reason, uh, usually. We're trying to establish more predictability and less things going wrong. Then there's rigid structures. Think org charts, wherein people answer to certain people. Right or wrong ways to do things. Lots of policies and procedures, which honestly, if you think about it, tells the history of a place more often than not. Time is incremented and schedules are kept strictly. Then you have error reducing. Its errors are seen as very problematic. They are wrong. You should mitigate them with everything that you possibly can. All right? I've, I've, I've told this before, but I work for... Uh, I was the worship leader for a ministry, the college ministry of a, of a giant, giant church in Phoenix. Um, and, I, and, it, and it really was like, you'd have this worship leader leading, and then the next week, you're like, where, where did, where'd they go? Like, I, I don't know who you're talking, like, Frank, man, Frank, he was leading, he was our worship leader. I don't know who you're talking about. Like, did you all kill Frank? Is Frank just like, <laughs> gone? Well, he made a mistake. And in an error-reducing environment, you get rid of mistakes. He, he messed up some words or whatever it was. And this would be, really was trained, like I'll never get past this, um, this leading worship for this college ministry if I don't make sure to get all of these lyrics right. They'll never let you unquote the big stage, which it wasn't really a big goal, but they're, 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 you know, that's a high error reducing environment. You consolidate authority, top-down structures, centralized leadership. Usually the give and take here is that you can make decisions quick and fast and they're very clear, um, but the, uh, the give and take is you have more diversity to help contribute to creative problem solving, right, in, in a less consolidated authority. Expertise is valued. Highly educated people with a focused expertise on um, one thing tend to be valued, hired, promoted. Compartmentalization is that they don't always understand um, how to how to bridge gaps with other parts of an organization. And they tend to be homogeneous, racially, socioeconomically, similarly educated class systems. That just tends to be true of a fixed environment. And then flip over to the right side, flexible values. 
relationship-oriented. Relationships are prioritized over results and productivity, hence a siesta possibly. Unity is valued. Getting everyone involved is valued. People's health, family, state is valued and prioritized over production, right? There's, there's good in that, but there's also like you can't have an organization that doesn't produce anything. You know how you can argue both sides of this? You sense and respond. This one line is one of the reasons I wanted to put this entire sermon in front of you. So, so, so pay attention. Sense and respond as opposed to planning control. Because you need, there, there have been times when I'm interacting with other people from other cultures and I'm realizing that the, the tendency is to villainize someone who doesn't do this one like you. So, so the idea, that the, the, the value is I have to get close to it. I have to make decisions based on variables that I can't consider now, so I can't plan for them. I have to get there and be ready to sense and respond in that moment. I have to have a gut feeling about something or have the ability to assess the situation and trust my gut or ask the Holy Spirit in real time, what is going on, God? What do I need to know that I couldn't have known? And so the plan and control side really depicts us as irresponsible. And we tend to be on the plan and control side here. There's an active thing happening. That's what I want you to see. I want to validate, sense, and respond in a planning control environment because people who are actively sensing and responding are incredibly, incredibly valuable to you. One example, my sermon planning. I have probably 20 subjects that I want to teach at Common Ground Northeast sitting in a hopper for the next five to six years. Literally sit planned out week by week. All of these things are, are very structured. I have a scope and sequence, an end result that I want, books of the Bible, topics, all kinds of things that I want to teach to you. But then when a cultural moment, like the killing of George Floyd, like January 6th, when a cultural moment happens that demands that we respond to it, there's a part of me that has to be like, ah, oh, but God, you were there when I planned it, right? You know what my goal is, right? We can't shift this thing right now. I don't want to pivot. This is, if I mess this up, I'm going to have to push everything else back. And, and Pastor Ken, all the while in his planning is like, man, if you overplan this thing, how do you ever respond to cultural moments? You're right. It's hard. And I have to find something in the middle that helps to, do, helps to, to make sense of these things. Um, uh, one, one last example, um, we had a worship leader that we were hiring to come and lead worship for us, and uh, we said, hey, for like four weeks out, hey, what, what songs are you going to sing? And they were like laughing at us. What, are you kidding? What, how could I possibly know what the Holy Spirit's going to do four weeks out? How could I possibly know? You know how much could happen in the world and in your church in the next four weeks that would shift what I might plan to do in that moment? And I have a friend who's more Pentecostally oriented. When he leads worship at things, he sends him his entire catalog, every song he ever, might ever plan to do. And then as he's going on stage to lead worship, he sends them five to ten songs. He says, pull all of these up. I'm not sure which one I'm going to do. High sense and response. High sense and response. And sometimes you just have to trust that that's, that's the goal. That is, that is the gifting of this person. If you're more fixed, it's hard. It's hard, right? God's in the planning too. I, I hear you. You're in your mind right now. God's in the planning too. I know. I operate like that. What I'm asking you to do is to be open to shifting, to not hold that so strong. So loose structures, I don't, I don't have time to go through all these. Error embracing. Um, there is one good story we have to tell from this as a worship leader on staff here who was coming from a different culture, and I said, hey, how do you feel like when you're leading worship, 
So he, like everything, every, everything that doesn't go as planned feels like a mistake. So you've seen me make mistakes. I'll lead worship and I'll mess up a song and then I'll do something to correct it, right? Like, oh, we got to say, this song sounds better in the right key. Ha ha ha. And we all laugh at that. But that's because I know that the error was not okay. And I'm trying to fix it in front of you. And she said, in my culture, if someone makes a mistake, there's like a church mother in the, in the room just stay, like, it's okay, baby, you got this. Just keep going. It's not, it's not a big deal. Just keep going. So as I'm quoting her words in that moment, that's what she's trying to display and put on. Point. Yet, it wasn't even a big deal. It wasn't a thing. And in our context, she was walking around wearing the weight of the expectation that I can't make a mistake or else everyone will receive this as a, as a bad leading today. And that, that group of people, I remember she said this, is, this is beautiful. That group came in not waiting to see if I had great ex, uh, execution of a song. They came in ready to praise God whether or not I did well or not. I came in ready to do that. So we're just in this together. And there was a, a better sense of understanding like, oh, that's what's happening inside of this situation. Let me, let me skip over a few things. I have a hundred other examples that we were able to go through in the class. But this is, this is something I, I think we, we have a tendency to villainize somebody who is in a different operating system than, than we are. That's why we chose it, right? We think it's right, so we chose that way. And then we struggle to see how anybody else could ever do it differently, and this is an invitation to let that go to be more flexible in your understanding. This is, this is often because we can't envision another way to do it. We just don't have the imagination for how it might be done differently than the way I've done it. This might be because we don't understand the values that are packed into that decision. We're not sure how they're weighing those values because sometimes you can have the same value as someone, but this is a number one priority for me and it's a number three for you. And that person looks at them and says, then you just don't care about this. But it's not true, it's just not the same weight. Or sometimes we're just committed to sticking to our own way out of discomfort of anything different. Okay, so that's the why. But, but, but we disagree um, often and what we'll do is we'll attach a morality to it. We'll, we'll attach to try to make ours a higher priority. Well, you must not care about that person. You must not, you don't care about their time. That, that's a moralization of something going on inside of a characterized um, uh, uh, culture difference. The plan and control side often makes the other side seem irresponsible or lazy. In churches, though, this is, this is different. We don't just have moral weaponization. We have spiritual weaponization. And so what happens is you can say, well, if you, were, if you knew your Bible better, you'd be doing it this way. When honestly, you could probably find both examples. If, if you were more spiritual, if you were more mature, you'd understand that this is the biblical way to handle this thing. So we have a whole nother weapon that we can bring into this as people. And, and never is it clear, never is it clear than when somebody quotes the submit to your authorities verse to me. Have, have you been in that situation? Whenever the government agrees with your side or opinion or theology or uh, 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 political ideology, you're like, well, yeah, because the Bible says we're supposed to submit to the authorities. And then it flips to the other side. And the other side's like, well, yeah, because the Bible says you have to, you have to submit to your authorities. Have you all not seen this? It happened constantly. I mean, I'm, I'm at the crossroads of it, constantly over COVID, constantly over COVID. And so we have this way of moralizing and then spiritualizing inside of the church are part of this. And do you have to submit to the authorities? Yes, at times. And at times, God says there is ways in which you are supposed to uh, completely oppose the authorities, right? Read Daniel. 
Okay, let me, let me close this all up here as, as we do. This, this is all about today an invitation from me to you, from our leadership to you, um, from, from, from our, our small we, me's into the greater we, is that I want, to, I want to ask of you not just to be okay being understanding to someone who's different. I want you to seek out of curiosity and love to understand someone. Move in their direction. Tell me why you thought of it that way. Can you tell me more about why, how you arrived at that conclusion? What are the things going on? What are the, the, the variables, like values that you're using in order to make that decision? Move in their direction intentionally. Understand each other and how to approach a situation so that bro- both structure and adaptability are able to be um, uh, uh, honored. There is, this, um, there is a way in which um, we have to let these things go so that we can have these conversations. In the end, neither one of these is better than the other. You hear that, right? Neither one of these is better than the other, but we lean heavily in this direction. And so if you're more over here, at least at times, you're going to feel like the weight of this expectation is on you. Do you see that? And so as Pastor Ken and I are are doing these engagements and these negotiations, this is probably the biggest thing that we noticed that was causing divides against his cultural orientation and my cultural orientation and our cultural orientation. And so here is the invitation to move in the direction of understanding, to go on that journey with Jesus together. It's an invitation to be stretched so that you can grow into something better than you were before with your limited perspective and ask for new perspectives to bring in. It's a tool in your belt to produce negotiation so that we can advance the mission of God together and make us stronger together. Um, And you engineers will appreciate this. I did just the slightest bit of research for this, um, but you know how they have these buildings that can withstand earthquakes, massive earthquakes. Because it's not, this is, we get this creative diversity, this kaleidoscope that helps us move towards what we see in the scriptures better, but we also have something that helps us weather calamity in a way that is, um, is, is powerful and strong, is that they have elements of this building that are strong and structured and framed, and then elements either at the foot of the building or even going up the center of it that are flexible. So if a great wind comes, this building has the ability to stay sound but also flex to some extent. When an earthquake starts rumbling, there's flexibility built into it so it absorbs all of those things. I believe the church was meant to have this same orientation of fixed and flex so that we can weather anything that comes our way. But also know that your tendency, just like a couple at the beginning of this, is to just slide back into what's familiar. You might want this negotiation. Know that you are going to slide back into whatever is normal to you, all right? And you have to actively push against that. I'm going to ask Jesus to come in. The the band will come up here right now. I'm going to ask Jesus to come in and help give wisdom to this. Um, Supposing you're in agreement that we need this negotiation, all right? Um, If not, then I guess I could pray for that too. Um, But I'm supposing that here it is. Here's the the, the question is, what level of discernment do I give for being flexed and fixed? And how do I know when to go more in one direction or the other? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to be a part of that. So, Father, thank you for... um, 
just sociology and the ability to glean from things. Thank you for your scripture, for giving us examples of when people had disagreements and strong disagreements, and they were able to move forward and create um, good solutions that both honor your history, both honor your movement of the Holy Spirit, and honor different types of personalities that are interacting with these um, theological and, and practical and missional ideas. God, may we not not become a people that lays extra burdens unnecessarily on anyone. But we need your help to know what that is. May we not be a people that just crumbles under any, uh, as the scripture says, the, the, the to and fro of waves that we just get washed away in any kind of doctrinal understanding. God, we need more structure than that. But we need your Holy Spirit to help us do it. Thank you for your word as a plumb line. Let us know that none of us comes to it objectively. We come at it with a perspective, with a history, with experiences, and we need negotiation space in order to come to conclusions that honor you, Jesus. So Father, we thank you for this. We ask for you to endow us with the ability to have these negotiations in a way that is honoring to you, makes us stronger than ever before, and helps us to envision a type of kingdomness that we have yet to see in our day, but that we see in the scriptures. We ask for this right now in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen.